So great big good morning. I'm Senior Pastor Chuck Blair. Great to have you joining us here at New Church Live. Today we welcome people from far and wide, whether you're watching today live or whether you're watching the archived version. It's great to have you here. We have a wonderful service ahead for you. And to get it started, we have an announcement from Kevin. Thank you, Chuck. And I'm really excited to be here uh, introducing to you the New Church Career Network. I want you to know it exists, and I want to warmly invite you to check it out and, and hopefully even join it. The New Church Career Network is a well, we're trying to make it global, but it's, it's spread across the country. So all of you guys watching from all over the place, this, this applies to you too. The New Church Career Network is an attempt to, to formalize a, a community that, that helps people uh, along in their careers. And we know there are a ton of bright, talented folks out there that are in a place in their careers and in their, their selves that uh, they can actually provide a helping hand. Maybe that's a conversation with someone who's interested in, in the career. Maybe that's actually offering a job to somebody, and it could be anything in between. But it ultimately, uh, wherever you are in it, we want to build a community. We want to connect that use uh, with, with that need and, and create something meaningful. Um, so please check us out. We're on, uh, online. You can find us in... And by all means, uh, take a screenshot of this, but you can find us, newchurchcareernetworks.org. You can follow us on social media at New Church Career Networks. And it's a, it's a really exciting thing that you can be a part of, uh, a, a way to, to liaise folks with, with need uh, and folks with, uh, with means and build a better community. So hope to see you there. Hope you, uh, you join, you check it out, and uh, look forward to having you as part of the New Church Career Network. And I think next I'm introducing Angela, so thank you. Thanks, Kevin, and thanks for sharing that. That's a great piece of information. My name's Angela Cooper, and I work here at New Church Live, and my role is just helping plug people in and connect to the New Church Live community. And there's lots of ways to do that, and I just like to highlight those on regularly. We are working on our website and regularly updating that, so that's one of the best places to get information, which is just newchurchlive.tv. Um, and we also have a weekly newsletter that comes out with all the information about upcoming programs, events, community service opportunities. That comes out once a week. And if you put your email address or just even say, hey, I want to subscribe to the newsletter in the chat window online, I can get you the information and sign you up for that. Um, and it's just a great resource to help us you know, plug you in, as well as the Facebook page for New Church Live. So I just want to always encourage people to get involved, find ways to plug in. And if nothing else, you can just put your information in the chat window or ask a question. And I always try to follow up with people. Um, that way. And the next thing I want to mention is we are coming at the end of our fiscal year. We run on a fiscal year that starts June 1st or starts July 1st and ends June 30th. And we are reliant on the donations from this congregation to help us achieve all of our goals, run the Sunday service, stream it live. Um, we haven't missed one week since quarantine. Everybody's been able to attend online and plug in and get connected. It funds our small group program, our musicians, um, you name it, all the community service outreach projects that we do. It's just, um, we really rely on all of your generosity and support. So we hope that you will consider making a donation before the end of the fiscal year. You can do that by texting the word New Church Live, 
all one word, all lowercase to 77977. Um, or you can go to our website, which I mentioned earlier, and make a donation there. You can set up a reoccurring donation. And really, we just are so appreciative of all of your generosity and support. Um, and we actually have um, a, a community member who shared some of the ways that she's gotten involved with New Church Live and the impact it's had on her. Um, so we're going to play that video now. And I just really appreciate and thank you for your generosity. What a difficult year this has been. Who knew a year ago that we'd still be in this predicament, still isolating, still not being able to spend time with each other. I found though that New Church Live helped me so much get through this last year. One of the ways that have been able to support me is through offerings of small groups. I've participated in every group that's offered and even got outside of my comfort zone and ran a small group myself. What I felt is these groups have been able to bring connectivity. I've met so many people through these groups and created friendships, bonds. The time was invaluable sharing with each other. It really has helped bring us through this pandemic with a sense of community. I'm relatively new to the congregation and really didn't know too many people when I attended church. It's been such a great experience for me. I would highly encourage any participation in any of these groups in the future. It really has brought a sense of home to me. So a last one here, let's get ready for church and get ready to go. And what I'm gonna ask you to do is just get a little stretch, whether you're watching from California or from Ireland or from the Philippines or from Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania. Welcome to New Church Live. And, and a little stretch as we get ready for, for our service today. And what I wanna do is I wanna share with you a question here. And for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, New Church Live, we, we try to really integrate the online audience because that is our congregation, is this beautiful thing that's spread all over. And, and to do that, a couple of things to keep in mind. One is after church, we have this wonderful group called Coffee and Donuts. They meet online. You can find their link on our Facebook page. You can find their link as well on our, on our live stream page. It's, it's run by some great volunteers who just, it's just a chance to chat. Grab a little coffee, grab a donut. Boston cream donuts are the best, just saying. And a chance to just share, share with each other. And what else do we share? Well, we share wisdom. You know, I really do believe that God speaks to all of us in a very unique way. And so we share a lot in the congregation in terms of, of how do you see certain things? And today what we're doing is we're looking at this particular question here. And this question is, as we have made our way through the isolation, confusion, loss, fear, the last year presented, what love carried you through? You can either put the answer in the chat or text me at 215 740-3662, that's 215-740-3662. And we're looking like, you know, yeah, we're not out of COVID woods yet, but we're sure getting there. And, and we wanna just share a little bit and think back a little bit. Oh yeah, I, I've, I can notice now that 
this particular love by someone, of something, for something, for someone, this particular love, however you may define it, this is what helped to really carry me through. Again, we're gonna take 60 seconds and, and the musicians come on up and you can just text me and answer in on that question. So please take 60 seconds and discuss and share. Thank you. Oh, what a beautiful song. And, and, and today, like looking at that and, and, and that question of, of love and people being able to feel the love of other people, it was just great seeing the answers. As always, you folks are so incredibly smart and so insightful. And we're going to put the question up again if anybody's tuning in a little later. We're putting the question up. Feel free to take a screenshot of it and shoot me an answer. I'll be sharing some of the answers. Not all of them, but I'll be sharing a handful of them in the second half of the service here today. Because this question is really important. I, I think, you know, that idea of, of the love that gets us through, right? In today's service, the, the, the title is The Territory of Our Kindness. Because I think we are faced with a dilemma. Do we expand the territory of our kindness or do we contract into the territory of our anger? Do we expand into the territory of our kindness and expand the territory of our kindness or do we contract more and more into the territory of our anger? Why does this matter? Well, you know, there was, there was one, uh, one parishioner I went out to lunch with and we had a great conversation on this and she said something super insightful and I want to share. The insightful comment was this. Is, is, that, is that we have to get a, we have to, we have to get a handle on anger. Because the problem is anger will just continue to migrate from one thing to the next. Because all anger, and I'm gonna talk about this a lot today, like all anger wants is to be angry. And it will just pick whatever data is right in front of it to be angry at. And the challenge is how do we finally get to the point where we just go like, no. We finally go just like, no. I'm going to say no to anger. And in doing that, we actually say yes to community. And it's not that community is, is always easy to do. I, I like, this, I like this, this line from someone. Extroverts are suffering from isolation. But I am basically feral now. If I have to be around people, they need to lure me with treats. <laughs> I, I like that line, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard kind of, we've said this a bunch in this series, like it is hard kind of exercising those social muscles yet again and kind of getting used to uh, connections in, in new ways. 
And it takes treats. It takes treats sometimes to get us out and moving. So with that, folks, I'd ask you to think about this basic dilemma between these two. Anger on the left, community on the right. Anger on the left, community on the right. Now, I'm going to talk about sort of what the challenge is around anger here, and I want to give two points, and then we have a list I want to take a look at. Now, I know for me with, with anger, like I was thinking, what, what are my main tools? One is I want to be really loud, and the other one is I want to be really judgmental. I want a big old microphone, and I want a gavel. I want to be able to judge other people, and I want to do so using a microphone. Now, now I want to say, like, like even with, with a microphone, anger doesn't always show up, per se, in, in volume. I mean, sometimes it does. But we can also manipulate other people with our anger by being silent. We can manipulate by bringing our voice up. We can manipulate by silence as well. So what is it, friends? Like, like what do we have to know about anger? You know, just, just kind of setting up the whole service. Well, well, I think anger does these things. I think first off, it flattens both our lives and the lives of others into one dimension. I am this and you are that. I think that's a real important starting point. When we're angry, we kind of squash people into one thing. They are this and I am that. And therefore, my anger is justified. People are always more than one thing. I think we know that. But anger will not help us to see it. It's, it's just, it's interesting, right? Like, when have we ever put the words anger and understanding people better together? You know, that somehow anger will help me understand people. It's just not how it works. And we know that. The second one, it warps, warps our memory, leaving only the irritants. You know, people, people are blessed and people are broken. People are angels, saints, and they are also sinners and jerks. <laughs> You know, and, and we all have both of those together. There's only a few people I, I know who've managed to seem, at least apparently have managed to put all the sort of the harder stuff aside. And, and so there's plenty of evidence, right? There's plenty of evidence that that other person's an irritation. But as we say often here, believe or see differently and watch the evidence change. Believe or see differently and watch that evidence change. Evidence will pull us beyond the irritants. The third one, it becomes the highest value, replacing everything, including truth. So, so even if the person has, if we're really angry at someone, even if they have a legitimate point, like they give you a list of 10 things and there's one of them that is legitimate, if you're like me, you will cancel out all 10, just de facto you're going to cancel out all 10. I think it's so much the way anger works. It, it, it can't hold anything as being right in the other person's position. And here's the dirty secret. Everyone's at least partially right. Everyone is at least partially right. That's why it's not a bad idea to think about praying for one good humiliation a day. Because other people really do have insights that can help your life. 
And the last one, this is real important. Accusation becomes more important than collaboration around serving the common good. That, I, that idea, and I was talking about this with another friend as, as we were having a conversation, like, like it has to be constantly refocused on this common good. What is the common good? Not how I can accuse someone of this, that, or the other thing, but what is the common good and how do we build towards that? How do we build beyond something that's just good for me and my life into something that is good for us and our community? Me and my life versus us and our community. These, these tools tend to not work terribly well in that endeavor. But there are tools that do. Now, as we look at, at some of those tools that actually do, some of those tools that actually can be very helpful, I want to take a look here, folks, at a, at a list of, of four, different, four different tools, four different arenas, I would say, you know, where, where we can actually make a difference with anger. And I want to make these, put, put these out there, think of how God would have us consider this. And then, and then again, the second half, we're going to look at a Bible story that kind of pulls all this stuff together. First off, remember, remember anger is on us, not them. That idea of being on us, not them. There's a good kind of anger, that's called zeal, right? There are times where like we see somebody who's just, who's hurting someone and, and that angers us, that's zeal. This is a different kind of thing. If I'm angry, I can choose one of two things. I can choose to go with the accusation, you make me so angry. Or I can flip it and ask, what's getting triggered in me? What's getting triggered here? I can't say it strongly enough because I think what I'm about to say is, is a truth coming out of new church theology that is, that is, that can be life-changing, but I know I needed to hear it literally for years. I mean, literally for years before I finally got it. Or I shouldn't say got it, before I finally thought I got it. <laughs> it's the idea, and it's connected to this, about remembering that anger only wants to be angry. Anger only wants to be angry. It will pick whatever news comes across the screen to be angry at. It's that idea that our loves, our, our connection to heaven, our connection to hell, they're sort of stirring within our souls. And depending which way we're leaning at that particular moment, that's the data it will grab. Where we're in an angry mood and someone pulls out in front of us, it's a very different anger than when we've just had a great day, everything's fine, everything's coming up roses, and somebody pulls out a little too quickly. Believe in spite of the evidence. Watch the evidence change. We can change the evidence there. We, we have to understand that, again, like, like what's getting triggered in me? Remembering that anger only wants to be angry. And, and I know for me, I struggle a lot with anger. Or I don't struggle as much as I used to, but I, but I still struggle a lot with it. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a tough one because it, it just will constantly be looking for stuff and constantly finding it. I mean, that's the crazy part, right? Anger will be constantly looking for things to be angry at and it will find those things. 
And we live under the misperception that if all of a sudden all the things outside of my life change, that I would no longer be angry. I know as somebody who struggled with anger, that's just not true. It's no great feat to find things to be angry at 24-7. No great feat there. The second one, get clear. Get clear. What was our part? Clean that up. Again, now I'm going to go over that one real quickly. It's real obvious. If you played a part, you know, take control of that part. I tell couples all the time, you know, even if you are 10% responsible for the argument and they're 90%, you could prove it in a court of law. You know, doesn't matter. Take 100% responsibility for your 10%. That's your job. Full responsibility. The third one, ask God. Ask God to remove the anger and gulp the enjoyment of being angry from us. This is a tricky one as well, you know, with anger. One of the challenges with anger, and Emmanuel Swedenborg called this a pleasure of insanity, is that anger feels good. You know, it feels really good to be angry. The hangover is a pain from anger. But let me tell you, in the moment, in the moment times where I've been really angry, I have felt incredibly alive and caused damage in that moment. Cheap anger, it's like cheap grace, it's cheap. Can we really get to understand that, that, that we have to get rid of the pleasure of that? The pleasure of that is the problem. That's why we do it. Because it feels good. Can we say no to that as well? And the last one, witness. Witness the new multidimensional space created for the other. That is way too many words. I know when I wrote that, I was thinking, ah, too many words. But it's the idea that that, that if anger sort of squashes somebody into one dimension, what happens when we're not angry is that all of a sudden it allows them to be more than one dimension. It allows them more than to be just this irritant. It allows them, please listen carefully, it allows them to be human. It allows them to be human. That's why we see so rarely, you know, Jesus using anger as a tool. He uses it really one time in the Bible. And the other time he uses this tool of love. And again, that tool of anger, I think that he's talking about is zeal. It's very different from the anger that wounds and the anger that hurts. So what I would say, friends, as the musician comes out, is this challenge is our assignment. This challenge, what am I talking about? Choosing anger or community. This is our assignment. It's not just our assignment as individuals, but it's also our assignment as a group of people, as a community. And when I come back, I want to share with you a beautiful Bible story that gives us both a beautiful posture around this assignment, as well as how can we respond to this assignment. A posture and a response that's so beautiful thousands of years old, but germane today. Thank you, guys. That was beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What a beautiful song. And, you know, waiting on the world to change. And, and folks, you just, these, these things you guys write are always so, so, so good. 
Here's just some of the ones where people shared, like, what's the love that kind of got them through? The Easter eggs, figuratively, right? The moments of delight and joy that God gives us for being persistent and patient and faithful in our journey. Without a doubt, the love of my fiance, sons and friends have been in the wind in my sails through this past year. My parents, Craig and Sarah, two of the most loving and compassionate humans I know. My family, friends, and my connection in all of my New Church Live Zoom groups. The love of people who stood by and with me in all my vulnerability, mood swings, and ever-changing challenges. Love for the people in my circle. I am blessed with the wonderful people in my life. What love got me through, and I'm changing the names to protect the innocent here. My love of tasty cakes, but if you say that out loud, there will be pain. What really sustained me during the lockdown was two true friendships with whom I could share meditation and prayer. My husband and I became much closer and stopped sweating the small stuff when it was just us locked in together so long. Our marriage. I think it really helped families with small children to slow down and enjoy life. Boston cream is number two for me. Maple bacon donuts are number one. Well said. Love of God through the presence of beauty of all people and all his earthly creations, the faith of Jesus. And I love the way you said that, you know, the faith of Jesus, that this is what we're, to, what we're to hold on to. Love of my wife and the future we want for our family. And family, especially my brothers and sisters. Folks, you know, you just, you just think about that, right? So, so like, look at, look at how that love expands the territory of our kindness and has gotten us through up till now, like the world has not ended, has gotten us through a really challenging time. Just think, and I really want this to sink in. Could anger have worked that same miracle? I don't think so. I don't think anyone would write, like, you know, I was so angry, and that has served me really well the last year. Like, it just doesn't. The belief that it does, a pleasure of insanity. This idea of anger and community is so closely tied that as we were talking about it on our Zoom meeting preparing for this service, one of our friends, one of our fellow congregants, said this line, which I thought was really good. Community is the result of leaving your anger behind. Community is the result of leaving your anger behind. So it's, it's fascinating, again, from a Christian perspective. There's always this idea of get rid of the bad stuff because the good stuff is the default. I want to say that again. Get rid of the bad stuff because the good stuff is the default. If we get rid of anger, we very easily slide into community. And if we put the pedal down on anger, we very quickly will slide out of community. There's a lot of power in that, right? Like, like look at the picture here, right? The ways our community have, has changed over this, over this year and, and expanded and grown and we have new tools and, and we have this, but we have the same heart. And, 
And, and none of that, like this picture you're seeing right now, none of that picture would have happened if I had said, look, we're going to have a meeting and we're just going to be angry. <laughs> it would not have happened. So please don't choose anger. If we do nothing else, please don't choose anger. Now, is there something else we can go to? Is there, is there another perspective we can allow to sort of sink in? And not just think in as an intellectual thought, but sort of sink into the marrow of our bones where we get a posture and a response, a posture and a response. Yes, there is. And, and, and this is sort of the best, I think, of what a spiritual life has to offer people. This story I'm about to read to you goes back thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. And in ancient Israel, there's a long, long, long timeline of stories there. And then there's an era in the Bible where they had a bunch of kings, some of whom were super famous, like King David. And big surprise, the name of those chapters is called Kings. I mean, who knew, right? So it's called Kings and it sort of traces the, the, the lineage and the, and the reigns of these different kings. And it, it kind of goes on this arc of Saul and then David does it a little better. And then there's Solomon and Solomon, he's the guy, like he's the, uh, he's the Tom Brady of all these kings. And he's the guy who's the greatest of all time. He's the most wealthy, does this, does that, does the other thing. And it's interesting the way his reign starts. Because it starts with a question. That's where we pick up the story here. For those of you following along at home, this is first with the Bible at home. This is 1 Kings 3, verse 5. At Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. So he kind of like, a, here it's sort of using God almost like a genie in a bottle. Like, whatever you want, just tell me. Solomon answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant and to my father, David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued to be kind to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Those are God's kindness, like talking about God's kindness. Now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place. You've made your servant king in place of my father, David but I'm only a little child. Again, this guy's at the zenith, right? Greatest of all time, most powerful person in Israel. But I'm only a little child. Do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant, Lord, is here among the people you have chosen. A great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your, ser give your servant a discerning heart, a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this people so great of yours. So I, I want to talk, folks, about this, this a little bit. First off, with, with the posture, like that beautiful line, he takes a posture here, like, I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. And then he puts himself in the place of servant, and your servant is in the midst of a great people. When, when you hear that, right, can, can, you, can you just hear, like, the soft edges in that? Can you hear the, the, simple, the simple rhythm of, I don't know? The simple posture of, help me to serve. 
I mean, how many times do we go into conversations today with this orientation? I know, speaking for me, I don't do it that often. I come in with a position that I believe my job is to convince others of. It's very different than coming to God saying, look, I'm a child. I need a beginner's mind. Please keep me in that place of a beginner's mind and help me just to serve. Like, how am I to serve here? And I think maybe when you see that posture, right, you can see the echoes of community opening. The one dimension of anger giving way to the multi-dimensions of community. And then the request. So give me a wise and understanding heart. So give me a wise and understanding heart so I can discern evil, good from evil, evil from good, good from evil. That, that discernment process. And again, folks, it's saying an understanding heart here. It's, it's not saying, you know, the scales of justice. It's not asking for the gavel. It's not asking for the speaker. It's asking for a heart. A heart that seeks to understand. Again and again, the famous Shakespearean line comes to mind about, you know, let mercy temper justice. Let mercy temper justice. What results from this, folks, and this this one is is consistently a, a surprise to me, And it's about goodwill and faith. The Lord is goodwill and faith within us. We are goodwill and faith within the Lord. Piece of new church there. That idea, folks, right? Like, like, I mean, it's so hard to get the goodwill is the battle. Like, if we're not feeling goodwill towards other people, if other people are irritants, We've lost the plot. You know, and, and, and like this is where like we can see all these different arenas in our world today that just aren't practicing goodwill. Ah! <laughs> it's not complicated. What happens when we don't practice goodwill? What happens when we stop believing that the other person is actually doing the best they can with the information they currently have at their disposal? What happens when we forget that everybody wakes up in the morning thinking, boy, I just want to have a good day. No one wakes up in the morning thinking, how can I be a jerk today? This doesn't happen. We have to have that goodwill and and that faith that's part of that. And that that faith is just this trust. And I love, again, what that one person texted in. You know, it's the faith of Jesus. Yeah, of course, faith in Jesus as well. But the faith of Jesus where where we just get that there's this bigger holding. And we learn to trust it. We learn to trust the water will hold us. As the famous quote in the book goes. We learn to trust the water will hold us. Goodwill and faith. Think of the world that creates. Think of the problems that can start to solve. Think of the families, communities, relationships that can start to heal. 
Now, it isn't, of course, saying that there aren't times to leave relationships or leave communities or do this or do that or the other thing, but we can still even do it if we are called to leave. We can even do that from goodwill and faith. Because if we do it from goodwill and faith, please listen carefully. We're doing it from love. We're doing it from love. Folks, this is, this is so critically important. And, and, and sometimes I think it's a legitimate worry that we are so practiced now in anger that we think that is the one logical, necessary response. Instead of understanding, God will always protect our freedom to choose differently. Now, it doesn't mean that in the middle of like an angry tirade, we're just going to be able to go like, stop, all right, I'm done being angry. It's not going to work that way. Progress, not perfection, da-da-da. But, but it means that we will always have this choice. We can always choose goodwill. We can always choose in our head, like, I'm going to choose to think the best of this person. I'm going to choose to have faith as well. Faith that, that God has this all. And again, faith, it's beautiful definition, you know, from the new church, which I repeat, ad nauseum, because it's so important. Faith, what is faith in the new church? Faith is the eye of love. Ties right back into goodwill. Faith is the eye of love. And again, that's where we solve problems. That's where we build community. That's where our future truly lies. Now, this is the way, when, when you take, again, this idea of, of having a posture and, and having a request, like, what do those look like? Here's, here's a great quote from a, from a tremendous pastor, Andy Stanley. You know, listen to him sometime. He is really something else. This was his little share on Facebook last week. Sometimes I just want it to stop. Talk of COVID, looting, brutality, I lose my way. I become convinced that this new normal is real life. Important to listen to that. Then I meet an 87-year-old who talks of living through polio, diphtheria, Vietnam protests, and yet is still enchanted with life. He seemed surprised when I said that 2020 must be especially challenging for him. No, he said, slowly looking me straight in the eye. I learned a long time ago to not see the world through the printed headlines. I see the world through the people that surround me, through that love that you texted in, folks. I see the world through the people around me. I see the world with the realization that we love big. Therefore, I just choose to write my own headlines. Headlines like, husband loves wife today. Family drops everything to come to grandma's bedside. He patted my hand. Old man makes new friends. New friend, his words collide with my worries, freeing them from the tether I had been holding tight. They float away. I'm left with a renewed spirit and a new way to write my own headlines. And that's what it's about. Like, like how do we write our own headlines? How do we, how do we live life freely? How do we, how do, we do this, folks, where, where again, where we're moving, where we're moving away from anger to community, we're moving away from anger, away from that picture on the left, to a community on the right. Friends, that's our task, and that's our assignment. You ready for this? It's a good assignment. It really is. 
Like we're being called to be the better angels of our nature. We're being called to practice this goodwill. We're being called to move away from anger back into this beautiful community. And it's a community that is so blessed. So, friends, over the week ahead, you know, let's just think. Let's just think about what community looks like in our own lives, wherever we may find ourselves, Michigan, California, Florida, you know, England, wherever that might be. And let's remember this. People are not the enemy. Anger is. Amen. What we're going to do now, folks, to close the service is we're going to do a prayer. I'm going to say the Our Father prayer, do a blessing, and then we'll have our last song. And this, this last song is, uh, you know, a song where we're, where we're celebrating all the many groups that have, that have helped people to move through this period of COVID in our country. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, help us to remember the simple choice between anger and community. And help us, Lord, to choose well and to choosing well and putting anger aside, to choose well and toward leaning towards community, allowing people to expand, allowing them to grow, allowing us to see, giving us the beginner's mind. For Lord, we are but children. We don't know how to go in. We don't know how to come out. Lord, give us a servant's heart, a heart of discovery and uncovering of the life that you will us to live, a life that will always be known by goodwill and faith. The Our Father prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And a final blessing over 2,000 years old. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. Amen.